I just uh, went out to look for a deck to commit to. I found the Amulet Titan Summer Bloom deck, which back at that time was like an absolute meme deck and no one played it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's neat. Like the combination of Amulet of Vigor and Bounce Lance and Summer Bloom into Primal Titan just all fits uh, so neatly into one thing. And you know, if you get to summon a Primal Titan on turn two, that's pretty cool. But certainly my ego was getting into the way of learning more about playing constructed and like I try to like argue that there is like not that much skill involved in in playing magic well and like that anyone can play those cards and like kind of silly but confidence in my head that like I I was thinking that like I win on magical line because amulet is is great and like no one else knows that and I just like accidentally discovered it but there is more to it than I thought in constructed too and open myself to the idea that maybe I still have a lot to learn, and I did. Hello and welcome to another episode of Humans of Magic. I'm your host, James Sue. This week, we've got an interview with Pyotr Golgowski, also known as Canister. Canister is one of the most famous Polish magic pros and players around. He's done a lot of wonderful things as far as high-level play, pro tours, and mythic championships are concerned. This is a deep dive into Pure Tour's level up process, a wide-ranging interview that talks about his why of becoming a magic player. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Canister. I actually just wanted to start off by asking you, like maybe we could just go right into the backstory. Obviously, you are well known for being a magic pro. You have done quite a lot in the Magic the Gathering world. Um, as I understand it, you are based in Poland and you're from Poland. But yes. uh, how did you even initially get into the game in the first place? Were you a gamer before then? I'm just, just curious as to your magic origin story. Yeah, I I was a, like playing card games since uh, I was a kid, basically. When I was a kid, I got really into this uh, animated show, uh, Duel Masters, which was uh, about, you know, the Duel Masters card game, which is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's uh, kind of like a, it's kind of based on magic a little bit, and was uh, also released by Wizards, but also, Mostly in Japan, it's still going strong in Japan, but hasn't been released in, uh, outside of that for a long time now. That kind of served as my introduction. I played that for, for a few years when that game existed. And then because of uh, me liking that game and spending a lot of time on it as a kid, when I when later in my life one of my friends mentioned that uh, he used to play magic i was like oh okay let's let's try that i i played a similar game and then just kick started off like that how was dual masters as a game did you play it competitively casually how did you do it well, i didn't really have like a strong competitive scene but i just played in local tournaments in in poznan in my home city so i just traveled every every weekend to the LGS and we had like tournaments for sometimes even like you know 30 maybe even 40 people which was pretty pretty nice and uh, just just battled how young were you at the time uh 
11, 12 to 15, something like that. Okay. Was it, uh, was it challenging traveling to play in those card game tournaments? I know it's not magic, but it's similar. So what was it yeah, like well, that time? So I mostly played locally, so I just had to, you know, take a bus to, <laughs> to get there. So just uh, wasn't really challenging to travel. I did not really do much traveling to other cities or other countries like I do with uh, magic nowadays. So it was like kind of a kid's version of that, which is kind of appropriate and like probably also intended to be that way. I assume that like just the entire presence of dual masters was kind of supposed to like get kids interested and then like that maybe they would switch to magic the also that was a successful oh. marketing strategy okay so it seems to have worked and you found yeah. your way to magic uh, eventually and uh, yes. what what was the game like i mean dual masters is it is, so it's actually similar mechanically to magic or yeah it's pretty similar mechanically to magic you like with the main two differences being that you can play every card as a land. You can add any of your cards to your mana zone and they just tap for mana every turn, just like a land. And uh, instead of life points, you had a system of shields, which uh, were five cards uh, put face down before you. And when you attacked your opponent, you actually broke one of their shields instead of uh, dealing damage. So when you broke the shield, they actually picked up the card and added it to their hand, which was also a pretty interesting balancing uh, factor in the game where, you know, it balanced the aggression. If you got aggressive, then your opponent got card advantage, basically, which, uh, you know, there was tension tension here. And besides that, it was, like, pretty, pretty similar. Like, you had creatures, you had, like, spells, and uh, just like in Magic. So that's interesting because for a lot of people, they, whether it's Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon, they, they play another game, then they get mm -hmm. into Magic. Magic is not necessarily the first card game that they play. So when you got into Magic later, did you mentally compare it to Duel Masters? Like, did you find that Magic was good in some ways, but maybe not so good in other ways? Like, or did, were you just committed to Magic? I, I'm not sure how a young mind works. I guess everybody's different too. So, well, a way I would describe it is that once I started playing Magic, then like of course the theory of Magic was like more developed and more people had discussions about that and you could read online about you know articles about what card advantages and all of that. I didn't really have access to like much of that when when playing Duel Masters. I just hung out on online forums with like other people in my age, and we just were kind of like trying to think of some like concepts of like why is why is a certain card good and or why is a certain card bad, but didn't always weren't always able to fully maybe uh, uncover that or realize that or put that into words. So like. Once I started playing Magic, I kind of, like, I've noticed which effects people say are good, which effects are weak, like, what's, uh, like, card advantage, which I mentioned, and etc. And lots of things about the previous game started to make sense to me. <laughs> so, like, I was like, oh, I guess that's, like, it makes sense. That card was, like, actually a 1 for 2, or, like, this card was, like, 
also required me to use more resources, but was very efficient, which uh, was also why it was strong. So that's mostly how it went for me. So magic allowed you to find the the language, like the the way to maybe express something that you intuitively knew before, but it was not yeah. fully formed. I guess also learn about these things too, right? Yeah, you, you could say, you could say that. Yeah. Okay. But also, like, of course, with having access to a wider pool of knowledge and theory developed, I was just, you know, able to realize the times, many times where I was, for example, wrong in my Dual Masters card evaluation. And I just, like, liked some cards a lot because I thought they were cool for one reason or another. And not because they were actually comparatively strong. So, like, also, like, the, you know, those tournaments were not, never like a big thing really it was just as i said local things happening each weekend just things you go to do spend time mostly so i was like kind of trying to win but it was not my premier motivation i would say i did take uh, a lot of enjoyment in building you know decks in a certain way and uh, Towards the end of my Dual Masters adventure, I was just coming to the local tournaments with uh, uh, like a 70 card control deck, which the minimum was 40. The minimum okay. amount of cards was 40, so you know, like m most people would say that it was optimal to play 40, but you know, I played a 70 card 5 color control deck, which used, you know, some cards that added the top. Uh, 10 cards of my deck to my mana zone so I needed my deck to be a little bit bigger and then I looped some effects that destroyed my opponent's mana cards and uh, it was it was fun especially if you like faced uh, off against someone who was like even more casual and kind of didn't you know wasn't used to a strategy like that you get to kind of bully people and destroy all their mana with some silly loops mm. but you know it was not like that like it was probably not an optimal way to build a deck, but it was like a fun way to build a deck. So that's what I arrived at towards the end. Sure. This is really interesting to me because when you, because I know where you, where you are at now, you are a very mm -hmm. high level accomplished competitive magic player. But if you go back to that time and when you first started playing magic, was there some sort of point in time that you made a shift to fun I, I would argue you're still having fun today i i think you uh -huh. are but you you find a balance but like when was there like a delineation of f becoming more seriously about winning maybe another way to ask the question is like yeah when did you change your thinking about a card game so yeah that's that's a pretty good question and a pretty like a thing that i also used to thought about uh quite a lot but uh, when I started my journey with Magic, at first I played like totally casually. I had some kind of a terrible deck that I went to FNMs with. Uh... So similar to your Dual Master style, right? Yeah, yeah, e even worse maybe. Like actually, one of the first like FNMs I went to was in Modern, but I bought an Izzet versus Golgari dual deck. I took the Izzet side and I just like changed a few cards and went with it. Uh, so I actually played with Brainstorm because it wasn't that deck at a modern event the first time I played 
only to realize mid-tournament when my opponents told me that actually you are not supposed to play this card in this format. Which was odd, you know, they sold this deck to me uh, on the show, <laughs> yeah. so I thought I, I, I'm able to play yeah. it, but turns out... Game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's over time I just gained a better understanding of, of the game and uh, I just uh, went out to look for a deck to to buy, to commit to, to start playing and uh, I was specifically not looking for like a tier 1 deck but just tried to buy something that I thought was really funny. So I was uh, scouring some internet forums at that time, MTG Salvation to be exact mostly, and uh, I found a thread that described the Amulet Titan Summer Bloom deck, which, you know, at back at that time was like an absolute meme deck and no one played it, and maybe like there was one or two people on Magic Online having some results with that, but in most people's eyes it was like not really a deck, it was just like a funny thing, and I was like, oh yeah, that's neat, like the combination of Amulet of Vigor and Bounce Lance and Summer Bloom into Primal Titan just all fits uh, so neatly into one one thing and you know you get to summon a primal titan on turn two that's pretty cool uh, i went out and bought the deck and then quickly i was surprised how well i started doing at my you know fnms and i was like i was surprised by <laughs> the effectiveness of that so you were not expecting it to be so yeah yeah i was like not expecting the deck to be strong and also i was not expecting me to be a player who can uh, be particularly successful competitively in, in the game. So it was just an entirely for fun adventure at the time for me. But once I just realized that I it's actually possible for me to to win a good amount, that became interesting and something that I wanted to pursue. And then um uh, quickly somewhat quickly after that i installed magic online and then it just was an avalanche <clears throat> i bought so the... you got serious quite quickly it sounds like yeah well like you know it was like me installing magic online was like a year and a half or two years since i first played magic so like it's probably i'm shortening this story a little bit but the middle parts were not uh, maybe that uh, thrilling. <laughs> okay, I really want to know how your mind works because I know there are players, and I'm generalizing, they go mm -hmm. through their whole Magic career never installing Magic Online. Never. Maybe nowadays it's easier with Arena, right? Because it's more supposedly accessible. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm in the pro Magic Online camp, by the way, so I'm, I'm biased as well. But um, was, it, was there something particular, though, that made you want to... Um, get into magic online because like some some players happily just play paper tournaments or paper events like there there must have been something or are you just the kind of person who just once you're down a path you just want to like either level up really fast or just explore all the ways that you can play as much as possible yes yeah, so i wanted to explore as much as i could but also there was uh, one guy locally who just you know, nudged me into that direction and told me, hey, you know, 
I think you should try Magic Online because like you're doing well here on those uh, on the, at those local tournaments. Maybe you could. You could so do he well saw your online. potential because you were winning the local events. Seem seems like that. Yeah, seems like that. Seems like it. <clears throat> so there was also the prospect of uh, earning MTGO tickets, which uh, was thrilling because uh, the dollar USD to uh, Polish slot exchange rate was uh, pretty thrilling. And uh, yeah, I, like I didn't really have a source of income or or something. I was living with my mom, and uh, I thought it's gonna be interesting to try and. You know, I went to Modo, I like played my first MTGO daily because we had dailies back then and not prelims, oh, yeah. no leagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, I free won the first one and I was like, oh, okay, I so I guess I can do it too. And then if you go to my MTG Goldfish page, it's just like all Amulet Titan dailies every, <laughs> <laughs> every day. <laughs> And uh, despite it time. even being less powerful back then, that's that's quite impressive, I think. Well, I think well, I think relative, uh, relatively to like all of the other things that existed, it was actually very powerful. It was just uh, unknown, which also was even better for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I think I kind of struck gold by utterly you know accidental. I don't know. I could have been looking at that MTG Salvation Forum, I could have found like, I don't know, a Blue Tron deck, bought that, and then we would never <laughs> talk, because... Do you ever you know, ever think about that? Like, would... if, you just, if you just found it, yeah, Butterfly Effect, if you just found a different deck, uh, Survivorship Bias, right? Like, you yeah. just wouldn't be here today. Yeah, very, could very well be, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just happened to find Amulet to be a really funny deck, and then, you know, look, where we are now, like what I what I've been streaming for the past three months is like every day an amulet prelim, and I'm also doing well with that. So, kind <laughs> of right, like so going you've never gotten tired of the deck circle. despite playing it like literally thousands of times or whatever, you know. No, no, I, I did get tired of it at times, but I just kind of it re, comes and goes. Re, yeah, it comes and goes. Right now, it goes really hard. So, yeah, that that is cool. So you're you're actually relatively new to Magic the Gathering because basically I can infer that <clears throat> the modern format already existed. For some reason, I thought you might have played Magic earlier than that, but you're relatively new to all this. I mean, yeah, relatively. Like, if it is funny that we use that term. Well, I'll, I'll I've been playing for a decade because a decade is a long time, <laughs> in like most sure fields of life but yeah i guess <laughs> relatively compared compared to like other let's say pt players my first uh, magic online daily result is on 2014 august okay so yeah around that so i want to know this is always a difficult question because it's very hard to objectively look at yourself but what would you ascribe your early success in magic 2 like can you deconstruct why it was that you were even able to win those initial events locally with Amulet? I think... Hmm. It's not the easiest question to answer, as you said, but <clears throat> I think to this day, I am much better at playing... Uh, decks and strategies that and formats where I can just 
get to play my deck over and over and rehearse every matchup a hundred times. Then and uh, I'm much worse at uh, improvising and like playing standard where you have to be like or limited where you have to be on quick on your feet and uh, be able to adapt without uh, pre-planning. So I think I just it's just because first like the amulet deck happened to be really strong and second I just committed to it and uh, I was for it the long for a long time. I think I wasn't actually particularly good at magic, but I was good at the Amulet Titan deck. And uh, that was good enough. That was all I played and uh, it was like good enough to free one most of my or free one or four most of my dailies. Okay. So you're saying practice and repetition and almost specializing in something yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, now my next question is, how do you go from 3-1 dailies to top eighting a PT? Or even getting into PTs? Mm -hmm. Like, there's, there had to be a... Maybe you're, just a, maybe you're just one of the best Magic players in the world, but there had to be some sort of process, right? How did you do it? So, the first PT I attended was PT Dragons of Tarkir which was also in 2015 so it was pretty early and once again yeah, I have a lot of early success yeah I kind of st stumbled upon it really uh, there was like a group of people from Poznan coming to GP uh, Milan in December of 2014 uh, so you know I went with them I, I took my amulet deck and I was just there for a nice trip not expecting much but I was able to top eight that tournament, which granted me a qualification for the uh, for the PT in Brussels, Dragons of Tarkir in May next year. It was again unexpected, like not something I was striving to. I know, like maybe it's like maybe a bit odd or different, but I think so. You I didn't assume... put a ton of expectation on yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I assume most people that get on the PT, they do that after striving to get there for quite some time. But uh, with me, I kind of barely knew what the PT was uh, at the time. I kind of knew like that something like that existed, but I didn't really know any of the, you know, pro players that some people liked to. So it's like, great, I top aided the GP, so I guess I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it was more like that. So, like, in fact, like, my approach, it was, like, it was a standard PD. So, as I said, a format that I considered myself weaker at. And back then, my entire, my testing process for that first tournament was pretty funny because I just, I kind of realized that I was good at Amulet and maybe good at combo decks that was what i thought but i was i really didn't wanted to play uh, on an even mid-range ground let's say with uh, other players so the way i prepared for the pt i just picked up a combo deck that existed back in that standard format it was jessica ascendancy retraction helix sylvan Cariated, uh, 
combo, which is not like particularly great. But I just committed to to playing it, and that was like all I tested with. And I guess I even did all of my testing on Cockatrice against myself, okay. because I I don't know. I just that that was just how I went about it. So all I did I was goldfishing the other decks against my against my Jessica Ascendancy deck. You know, it seemed to be able to win a good enough amount of times and uh that's good enough for me as preparation. Is that how you approach magic back then is just have a proactive game plan and just make the opponent Yes, yes, react yes to for you. sure. I I okay. really wanted to, you know, play a combo deck and play yeah. Okay. Yes. If you don't stop me, you're dead. Like I'm just going to goldfish you in in the match. Yes. That's okay. how I wanted to play. Okay. And how did you do in that first PT? What did you learn? I guess. Uh, well, I learned that there is much more to learn <laughs> from seeing <laughs> how people play, and you know, I was actually there was also like a funny thing happening. I sit down for my first uh, draft. And back then, they stopped to do it nowadays, but back then they had a tradition where at the beginning of the PT, uh, the head judge welcomed everyone and said, hello, uh, everyone playing at their first PT, please uh, stand stand up. And then like everyone, you know, welcomed them at the PT or like gave them a little ovation. They stopped doing that right now because I guess it could also be singling out those if you and so like some people might not want to be singled out uh, in that way but at my pod uh i think seven out of eight people stood up <laughs> so it was like a pod almost full of newcomers like the one guy who Newcomer was just pod. sitting yeah. yeah yeah was like looking at us like uh i'm gonna slaughter as you. easy yeah as easy <laughs> prey <laughs> but i i think i got pretty lucky in my draft i was actually able to free all my my pod oh to start with which was also like kind of surprising to me i didn't really i don't think it was like a sustainable way to succeed in limited like that and i was proven right on day two where i got seated with uh, a pot of full of strong players uh i remember i played against paul ritzel specifically and just everyone slaughtered me because they were so much so much better at me their decks made so much more sense and i stood no chance uh, against those experienced uh, limited veterans mm-hmm. at that stage but yeah, overall the pt i did i don't remember exactly nine seven probably which was like shy of re- requalification but that well, seems really good nice. for a first pt yeah I was, you won I was more happy. than you lost. Yeah. Yeah. And it did made it so that I wanted to come back. And after that I actively started to try to come back and play in online PDQs and try to qualify. Were you already fairly committed as a magic player because of grinding on Magic Online? Well, I was committed to grinding on Magic Online and that was just something I did in my free time. Right, for income or and, for a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah, so this was kind of like a combination of, of, of a hobby and a little bit of income, and it was just very nice to 
uh, keep doing something that I was uh, successful at because you know I was like more successful than I expected. So it was certainly there wasn't a a reason that would make me stop. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I guess I, I'll play under daily because it's 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 nice and it's thrilling right. to play and you get to you know you go you get to go free one win your prizes again well, it's it's cool and then you get to try again next day right so take me from playing your first pt to top eighting a pt which i believe is in 2017 yeah what kinds of things did you do to level up your game i assumed you level up your game it wasn't just luck so I assumed I leveled up my game too. I think part of like what forced me to level up my game a little bit was that at some point Summer Bloom eventually got banned. <laughs> so I okay. didn't get to just stick to that one forever. And I, ha- and I had to branch out into doing a little bit of uh, something else. Uh, but <clears throat> let me think how they qualify for that one i can't remember how they qualify for that there was were you consistently RCP? on the pro tour train did you did you reach a status where you just repeated or no like... no 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 it was like my third pt ever i think let me let me check that i played dragons of tarkir then i played yeah. off of the gatewatch which was uh atlanta that was the eldrazi pt Mm-hmm. 9-7 yeah 9-7 in both of those and then the next one was PT Eldritch Moon okay so so Ixalan was the fourth Ixalan PT was the, yeah it was the fourth PT I played and I can't for the life of me remember how I qualified there right now so you don't remember if it was, was online or offline or which event okay it was probably like an RC, RCQ not RCQ R, regional PTQ, PTQ. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was yeah. called back then. So yeah, I was, I got to play a few PDs before Exelon, right? And for Exelon, I just how did you work on it? Like, how did you work on your game or preparation, all that stuff? For Exelon, I just, I just, uh, I knew that energy was the best deck. Everybody was uh, saying that, and it seemed to be true. It was like the best mid-range deck. Mid-range decks were outside of my comfort zone, but I decided to step out of it and just play the best deck for for once. I prepared a little bit by playing with it on, on Magic Online and with uh, other players. And then it turned out to work well enough for me to top it. Which I think the crucial part about that PT about my result is that uh, I was actually able to 5-1 the limited portion which then let me to let me be able to top it it. Like I pretty consistently have been able to have pretty decent records on in constructed at the PTs with limited always being my, my weaker side so in this one, I'm not sure if I was like prepared particularly better or not. I did draft a lot of Ixalan, and uh, I did kind of enjoy it, so maybe that helped. 
but uh, no, actually, I only went four two, so my theory doesn't even work. <laughs> because my theory was that since I went five one unlimited, I yeah, I you know I that I was bound lot, to top eight. But... But I just went for two. But every person that, that top eights or wins a pro tour has to run good, right? So did you feel like you were running especially good that day? Were you just making good decisions? It's all of the above or what was it? I think I, yeah, I think I ran well. Like sometimes you play a magic tournament and you just like play, play a day of magic. You go back, you went like oh eight one for example, and you think back on your matches and you're like, oh yeah, I guess this much i did win the die roll and like this six other matches i also did win the die roll and i guess in this match i needed to draw like my land on time and i did and it's, there's just like some days when when things just line up for you so mm -hmm. then it becomes uh, easy to <laughs> easier to win but yeah i think i had like a solid deck i think i had it was just like a solid deck i made a reasonably good enough decisions and I was able to to crown that with a top eight which then kickstarted my entire let's say career how did it feel in the moment like I guess knowing that you were going to enter the top eight did you put some level of expectation on yourself at that point how did you feel I was very excited and <clears throat> Back then, around that time, I was striving to get to the to the PT and you know attain one of the statuses that uh, were functioning back then: uh, silver, platinum, gold, which would let me qualify for more things and maybe with platinum, you know, gain extra fees for attending and you know that just seemed really attractive and seemed really cool to be able to play the game that i enjoy playing so much and that i commit so much time to anyways and then also get paid for it so that was kind of a little bit of a of a dream of myself so sometimes i just you know i went to the uh pro pro club benefits page and i just looked at the benefits and i was like hmm yeah that would be really cool to attain someday i was like not fully realistically thinking of of ever attaining that because you know just just kind of a little bit of dreaming but then at ptx on once i top it i was like wow okay at this this pt i get so many so many pro points i actually like get silver immediately i just need a little bit more to gain gold and then maybe who knows what else is in reach mm -hmm. and that just really got me like excited in the prospect of getting it into a longer time venture at the mm -hmm. time little did i know at the time top eighting ptx alan was also literally the best time ever to to do that if you if you were ever supposed to top eight a single one that was the right. best one because because of the events then, in the world. Yes, yeah, yeah. that yeah. later on turned into into the MPL, and that was the starting point of the MPL, the 2017 you, you season. You maxed the uh, the 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 train uh, before yes. the new train happened. Yes, exactly. Yes. With with like no knowledge of that, it just mm -hmm. well, that was definitely that I definitely was at the correct uh, place at the correct time for 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 that. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, but I'm not going to let you off easy. I really still want to go back to like, how did you mm-hmm. level up to that point where you could have that potential to forward to a draft or top eight a PT? Like there must have been steps that you took, maybe like people you work with, maybe like how you think about the game, you practice the game. There must have been something, right? Yeah, I think one of the bigger level up moments I remember was in Limited. Uh, where one of the stronger Polish players, uh, Maciej Janik, he <clears throat> doesn't play Magic nowadays anymore, but he used to be, you know, one of the f- Pro Tour players back when I was coming around. So I was like, you know, looking up to him, let's say. And uh, for some of the PTs, we ended up working together. He always viewed himself as a limited specialist who's like not particularly good in constructed, so like kind of an opposite of uh, my view of myself. And he really like opened my eyes to how much I didn't see and limited. And you know, for example, I I fought, I I draft badly, and you know I and that's that's the reason why I don't succeed in my draft games but then you know we sat down we drafted a deck like if many times we drafted a few decks then we played some some magic online games with those and you know pretty quickly he just uh, declared that I am not in fact a poor drafter I just play really badly and you know that I that the, that the way I play my games is pretty terrible, which is against and the common wisdom. Usually, people think that the drafting is the the key part, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, "No, your decks are like perfectly fine. I like I could draft those for the PDL. Like I'll be fine with that. I I wouldn't mind." So but drafted just, you fine know, the and way... also built fine, but just not played optimally. Yeah, but the way you play those games is really bad, kind of You're just like, you know, so and like he opened my eyes to like so much things about I don't know usage of mana or like playing my playing around opponent's cards and just like basic reading of what my what my opponent has somehow like I I don't know I just didn't grasp that anything of that was possible and it really I think it really helped me still like I don't consider myself to be particularly strong at limited but I'm definitely better than I used to how are you able to take the feedback? I feel like most players, especially once they've become already fairly accomplished as you were, I, I would imagine there is some sort of your ego or yourself that might be difficult to take the feedback, but how are you able to open up and actually internalize that? Well, so that happened specifically in Limited where I had a lot less ego. So it was easier to take the feedback because I, I was sure of the authority that he had over me in so that you, matter. You had respect for him so, as a as a more yes, as yes. a stronger player. Okay. But certainly I guess my ego was getting into the way of learning more about playing constructed and like I remember that I had some silly arguments with with my friends where I tried to like argue that there is like not that much skill involved in in playing magic well and like that anyone can play those cards and like looking back to it like 
the arguments I presented were uh, really not so strong and kind of kind of silly, but I had that strong uh, confidence confidence okay. in my head that like I I was thinking that like I win on Magic Online because Amulet is is great and like no one else knows that and I just like accidentally discovered it and I have like a deck advantage, but like actual playing of games is easy for everyone but then also learning from from Machi that I play my game so badly limited that made me think that oh okay well maybe maybe there's more to it than I thought in constructed 2 and mm, because now you can just if, you, if you take that myself feedback, to you're kind of going back yeah yeah open myself to the idea that maybe I uh, still have uh, a lot to learn and I did so I became I I started expanding as a player play play more. And how did you learn and... to how did you learn to become a better like it sounds like you had to learn or maybe relearn certain playstyles like how to play mid-range or how to play certain archetypes, right? Like how did you do that? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say I had to like learn how to play those styles I, I still avoided them for for a long time, but and I was mostly succeeding when I was like when I had a format and a deck that I liked. So I kind of just picked my spots to succeed. I'm looking through my all the results and I guess a few of the points when I started branching out my, my strategies, I began to play Death Shadow decks around 2017-18. So that was like maybe because and lantern Ooh, lantern control lantern control yeah but uh let me think on your question a little bit more so like how to I play don't... better in general i guess what was your process i don't really know <laughs> it's it's kind of odd i'm trying to like come up with a satisfying answer but it's a little bit rough i just played a lot and like expanded a little bit and at times I was able to to break through and succeed a little bit with I, uh, I guess I guess it's like I, I know I, I know I am nowhere near the level of player you are <laughs> even back then uh, but I always have this like experience where like you can play a lot of magic but you some people they just never like me we never get past a certain level like there had to be something that you did to break through at the pt level like it's not trivial so of course it's very hard to answer this question it's like okay why are you why is canister canister but like i i'm i'm still curious yeah like did you so, study like your plays did you like coach yourself or get coached like i i don't know because i often hear and i believe it is that just playing more doesn't necessarily lead to better results unless you are doing some sort of intentional practice maybe your mind works differently so i don't know i i think like of course like just playing doesn't doesn't work but playing a lot just means that i think a lot about you know if i pick up a deck and i play a lot of it that just means that i organically will end up thinking about it a lot and then like 
the thinking part, just thinking through the common common play patterns. I rarely do the thing where I observe my uh, replays and try to learn from that. Frankly, I have always found that to be extremely boring and just never really wanted to to put myself to I do that. I found that boring too. <laughs> so, I'd rather just play another know, match. <laughs> it is probably more efficient to, you know, try to think through a replay because then like from, from one replay probably can get more thought. But if you are going to play the same matchup 10 times, you probably are gonna like at least i will get to some conclusions uh, at the end and also like i will get to see different situations and i see that in myself to to this day like whenever i pick a deck and i just commit to it for a long time i just getting to play any given matchup over and over it just lets me think uh, through the situations and then try to come up with uh, solutions so i just you know i i learned that there is much more to learn and i try to slowly expand my my range and uh, try to talk to players better with me and try to stick to to the things learn how you know learn how a given deck works in a given format as much as I can and uh, take advantage of uh, the way I'm wired, I guess, as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So you're, it sounds like you're somebody who benefits from just like sheer force of will or maybe like force of will plus commitment, extreme commitment to one thing to the point where you're thinking about it all the time you're going through it all the yeah. time. You're practicing all the time. So it's really that like high level of commitment that yeah, it starts I'll, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds good. And okay. that's sorry, sounds... I, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I, that's 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 no, how no, I'm no, interpreting. No, that's, that's that's a good interpretation. That's like how I how I think that too. I'm not entirely sure about the term force of will because I think in many determination, ways determination. I don't know if it's yeah. No, in in many ways, like the process is kind of lazy and that i you know as okay I maybe said, you're I just stubborn watching i don't it. know if it's determined or stubborn, just stubborn yes. yeah you stubborn just, you're just sounds, gonna make it work better. right yeah <laughs> yeah 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 because you know as, as we said you can make it more efficient by you know making a taking a more intelligent approach to you know analyzing a replay but yeah no, I'm just gonna play. So, play so somebody else will times. analyze their five matches. You'll just play like 500 matches or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'll get get the same level of analysis <laughs> in the end, but I'll also gain more uh, instant, short-term gratification of getting to play uh, magic games instead right. of just looking at uh, one over and over. I think you won the. Is it the? Was it already called the MC? already in 2019 that's when you yes. that's the event that you won right <clears throat> so mm-hmm. how did that did that change your career in any way or how you how did it change magic for you in any way i should say so i would say magic was changed for me earlier already since like you know the mpl has already started and that was has been going on for almost a year at that time and as soon as MPL hit, I was just, I knew I'm able to do it full time and be a magician 
and to earn my living that way. So I wouldn't say that winning that specific tournament changed uh, changed anything like in such a fundamental way as the beginning of the MPL. But of course, you know, it was an incredible amount of uh, prize money and it was also an invitation to Worlds, which I was excited to go to and participate in. It was also, you know, a very nice uh, trip to Hawaii, so yeah. pretty cool overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I also have to mention that while I won that tournament, it like never registered to me or felt like a pro tour. Ah, okay. So like, I don't really feel like a pro tour winner. Or, like I don't. Feel it like felt I like that winning an NPL event, not a winning yeah. a pro tour. Yeah, it just it just feels different. The way like it all went about, you know, the MPL, then by then the, let's say, overall sourness uh, around mm-hmm. the MPL also began to manifesting pretty So you felt sour about hard. the MPL even though you were in the MPL? No, no, like, well, I just mean like, let's say community-wise, uh, mm-hmm. I don't... Like, I didn't feel particularly sour, but I did feel... Yeah, it wasn't the most popular thing in the community, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. It didn't have, like... It just didn't feel like the same type of a thing, the same type of an achievement. Mm. And uh, it's so, like, it never registered like like that as such to me. So it was, like, it was nice to, to win. <laughs> it was, like, a very emotional tournament, too. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was playing for for the top eight against uh, Menguchi, who also I had history uh, back at the Mythic Invitational earlier that year, where he was able to best me in the finals of that. That's tournament. the one that he won, right? The first. Yes, that's the one that he won, which was also the Magic tournament with the highest uh, prize pool. Prize pool. Yeah. Which like it's still it's like it's insane if you think about it. It doesn't really <laughs> really make sense, but yeah, uh, you know, I was I was playing as Mengu, so I was like, yeah, Mengu, my arc rival, and yeah. I got to best him in like some some close games and get to the top eight. And when I came off the stage, because you know we had the like nice MPL stage where we sit down at the computers, right, uh, in front of each other, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like when I when I went. When I left that stage, this was, which was one of the times where I uh, physically felt the stress and like my chest was just kind of aching from my heart just pumping so so hard because, uh, you know, because I got so into it and so stressed by the mm-hmm. situation. But again, it I would like to win a Pro Tour someday. Mm-hmm. I would not be uh, against that, and like I don't particularly feel like I I don't feel like I have that achievement yet. If you that, played, that feels different. If you played now in the new Pro Tour system and you won a Pro Tour, the new one, would it feel the same as winning a Pro Tour in the past? Yes, or at least for sure it would feel more so than MC than MC. 
Okay. I okay. Th- I think it would feel like like winning a pro tour. Okay. I think like and, the vibe and that's is similar enough. Of not just the name. It's it's because of the the steps one needs to do to play in the new PT and things like that, right? It's not just because yes. it's the same name. Yeah, and like the fact that it's uh, achievable for everybody. I'm not I sure guess. if that fully makes sense, but like it's achievable to get to the PT for for everyone, and anyone can show up there as long as they have. Uh, like say proven themselves by acquiring the qualification and then you just fight through those people and you you best uh, a large enough uh, amount of them and you become the winner mm-hmm. with the dmc system it felt a bit more artificial and you know the mpl system just meant that all of the mpl players were like kind of stuck in the system be- mm-hmm. uh, because it was like supposed to provide a long-term occupation for for them, <clears throat> and so you could. But would you would you not, not argue be... would you not argue that the MPL system was tougher because everybody you played every round was indeed a higher skill level? You could you could argue that, yeah. I, you know, on top of that, there was also like extra invites which were like. You know, some oh, right. could, there for was example, a special be, invites. Be, yeah, yeah. yeah, you could be a streamer and get invited for for that to play in the MC. That I think that kind of modeled it up for for me, vibes okay. wise. So it wasn't a pure merit type of uh, mm-hmm. qualification. Yeah, I'm using my words. You don't have to agree with me. I mean, it's just just that's my words. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, but that's like how how I understand. Of course, like you could have like lengthy discussions about like merit, uh, etc. But mm-hmm. just the way I I feel about it is the way the way the vibes right go go for me. That's that's how right. that's how I feel about it. So uh during the MPL era, is that is that when you started streaming and doing content? Actually the first time I streamed You did earlier. Okay. Yeah, I did that earlier. I the first time I streamed was right before a few months before uh PT Excellent. So oh, okay. I just started streaming Lantern Control. That was my deck at the time. I would, I was just committing to it the same way I committed to Titan earlier, and I, that was just the thing I was playing over and over. And I started just streaming, you know, Lantern Leagues for like twenty people on Twitch.tv. And, Do you remember uh, why you started streaming? Like, was there a particular reason? You just wanted to have fun. You wanted to share that, or what <clears> was it? I wanted to have fun. I remember going to Twitch and enjoying my time spent in other streamers uh, chats for example one player i could streamer player i could cite as my inspiration is actually misplaced ginger who you know shows up on twitch to to this day sometimes but uh, i just enjoyed hanging out in, in his chat in like early 2017 or or 16 mm-hmm. and shit posting and just you know cracking jokes <laughs> and just you know, sometimes watching the game, sometimes He's, not. He definitely has a just... certain style to his streams, that's for sure. And his streams yeah. and his Twitch chat. Yeah. So you're a part yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I really I really like that and I was like, oh that's cool. Maybe I could try that myself. And you know, I had some like pedigree on Magic Online as a recognizable name because people knew the name Canister and they knew it means slant and control. Yeah, they knew it meant uh, mm-hmm. Amulet Titan. 
Lanterns. So you can put in the you can put in the the headline of for Twitch like canister plays lantern control and people will come right because they kind of you have some name. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I think like one of the first things I I did was I written a lengthy Reddit post on r slash spikes about uh, a a guide for lantern control. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it I I said that I'm I'm going to start streaming now, and like it probably a few of the like initial like twenty or so viewers came from. Yeah, there. I mean that's the hardest thing is to get is in the beginning of of being a streamer, right? Like because mm-hmm. you have people that sometimes they have zero people or one person watching. So I guess you're able to, uh, what's the term like bootstrap I'll, your yes, your I was stream. able to to have a minimal recognizability. At first, which meant I meant I didn't start from like absolute zero, but from from just like a tiny bit, and starting right. from zero is just impossible on Twitch, yeah. like especially nowadays. And starting from a little bit is hard and like unlikely to work out, but uh, worked out uh, well enough for me. Although it did take a long time till my stream became like I guess relatively popular. You know, I'm not yeah. like a super popular streamer nowadays maybe like in magic terms but in general oh, i mean twitch is hard i mean twitch even twitch today has terrible discoverability so it's like people or maybe it's also just like people follow the top streamers so if you're like if, if people follow the top five and you're number six then they, they're just not watching you right that's hard yeah exactly but like looking over my past month i had 320 average viewers which it's glad I'm, I'm glad to have that it's uh mm-hmm. it's, it's solid cool. but uh it's not like something i would call uh gray groundbreaking mm-hmm. but uh for a, for the longest time i didn't have uh, that it took until the mpl where my viewership actually started to grow from like two digit numbers to three digit mm-hmm. numbers mm-hmm. i guess because Which, and you had the contract to to do it, and yeah. you had to increase viewers. Okay. Yes. Yes. So is that so, when you took it seriously? So before then, it was, or is that fair to say, or were you already serious about streaming? I was not particularly or serious just stubborn about, about it. Streaming. It was. I don't know. I, I yeah. I guess I was stubborn. <laughs> I did just play a lot of Magic Online, and I did stream a little bit when I when I played, but. I committed to, you know, having a schedule and being consistent and actually doing that as my main thing with the MPL contracts. And before that, it was like more occasional, more mm-hmm. rarer and inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did. It is fair to say that I did start taking it seriously with the MPL contracts, streaming contra- contracts. Okay, and this is a, like a really insider question, but when did you decide to um, do more on the YouTube side? Because now I'm seeing your YouTube videos. Obviously, some are just VODs, but others are more well edited. For example, your video on, um, well, I mean, vlogs themselves, but also the video on your uh, consulting role for Lord of the Rings. Like, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what's what's the evolution there? Like, was there some point in time you decided, I'm going to take YouTube more seriously? Uh, yes, yes. I have started to venture a little bit into YouTube lately, just kind of as like a project of mine or like a thing I want to like expanding my skills a little bit. So I 
do watch a lot of YouTube in my free time. That's like, I do have a YouTube video on very frequently when I like do anything from cleaning or uh, cooking or just, you know, doing sometimes just, just the audio on when I, when I go, when I go do groceries and stuff like that. Uh, so I've been like enjoying that as a consumer myself, especially when it comes to like video essays about video games, which frequently I'm vaguely interested in, but I don't really have like a strong desire to sitting down and playing uh, them myself. Like I don't really have like that much of a desire to sit down and play Dark Souls or uh, other games that can sometimes take many many hours to finish. But I do enjoy hearing people talk about them and you know analyze them, talk about things they enjoy in them and uh, stuff like that. So just being a consumer of that, I thought that it might be nice to sometimes try to venture a little bit into that myself. So like, I guess the way I would summarize that is that I enjoy listening to people who sound like they know what they are talking about, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, which is like kind of why, what I like about those uh, type of, uh, video analysis so you know i thought i i do know a lot about magic and perhaps maybe there is something that i could interest interest uh, my viewers with by creating a more like essay type video like i haven't done too much of that just yet but uh, i do well, some uh, of the recent I, ones I just, are quite well done, like the Pioneer um, Phoenix Guide, I think it was. Uh, yeah, you've, yeah. You've done something like that where you're kind of an expert. You break it down, right? And yes, yes. So, like, that's that's what I, what I want to do. I also, you know, enjoy... It's a little bit of a painful process, but I enjoy learning, editing a little bit because I'm, I'm doing that I was going to ask from, if you hired an editor you did it yourself. So, you, 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 you're doing that yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing that myself. I, you know, it's... It's a wow. arduous process. Sometimes, you know, broke up by a lot of going to YouTube and typing how to do X in Adobe Premiere Pro, watching the video, trying to recreate that. For some reason, it doesn't work because I have some like secret setting turned on. I getting getting angry, mm-hmm. finding another video, finding the solution, and then you know, step but by okay step. it's okay because but... you're canister. You're stubborn, so you'll find a way, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, you can say that. <laughs> so. It's also like enjoyable to to learn a skill like like that. So I mm-hmm. I've been so, enjoying working on those YouTube videos from time to time lately. Uh, maybe maybe you know maybe just maybe if I build a big library of cool YouTube videos, my channel will blow up and uh, become extremely uh, profitable. Uh, but also likely not. But I ha I am happy having it as my extra side project besides streaming. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't feel like streaming, and then I get to sit down and do work by myself without, you know, a chat of people watching me and uh, judging my every movement. 
have you felt burned out from the content stuff at any point like from streaming or youtubing or maybe even playing magic i for sure did yeah i had been struggling with that a little bit this year uh i think like mentally this year kind of changed uh, a decent amount of things for me uh which was do you, like know, what, connected do you know what to... caused it like was there is it life events or what what yeah is it? i was i was like about to to get to it like i at the beginning of the year i did get out of a long-term relationship with my previous girlfriend which like kind of just i think pretty frequently is a a trigger for people to rethink their life and like how they want it to look like and uh, just like who do i want to be what do i want to do like what do i enjoy <laughs> just kind of like was a wake-up call and i started thinking about lots of stuff uh, a lot and at some point i tried to like turn into an absolute uh, content machine and i wanted to stream for eight hours like every day just go hard of a week yeah. just go hard but i think I, that did made me that did that did burn me out uh, a little bit this year and it was just too much i was just trying to do too much stuff because you know i wanted to do that then i wanted to you know finish my stream and open adobe and work on my youtube videos it was just uh, too much and it was a lack of uh, balance in my life at that point so i eventually was able to settle up into a more healthy and more reasonable uh let's say rhythm mm. of uh, streaming and working but i certainly yeah struggled with that a little bit on top of that i think a part of my struggle with the burnout was caused by the fact that uh, this summer in Barcelona, PT Lord of the Rings was uh, happening, and it was the first PT in 2017, six, in years. six years, yeah, in like yeah. six years, which I didn't get to participate in because I did not manage to requalify. I have fallen to, I have fallen like one match short at the previous PT in Minneapolis that year, which mm -hmm. also stung, and. Uh, you know i just had to sit that one out so that was uh not so nice and it was like also i'll, I'll just say it, I mean, question. it's it sounds heartbreaking like just to not yeah. be able to yeah 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 i was like certainly made me also question my you know ability to to play at at the higher level uh i think my magic online results also weren't particularly great uh throughout like the first half of this year because i was just trying to play so much i was trying to be a uh, a jack of all trades i would say i wanted to play in every format i wanted to succeed you know, in every challenge yeah. i wanted to do triple q challenges oh on my gosh weekends okay. <laughs> and okay. let me tell you it's just you know as we as we talked right the way i am wired the when i'm good at the game is when i get to rehearse for dozens of times and i get to really know what i play why i make my decisions and how i make them i was basically trying to be 
a, a jack of all trades, but without realizing that I will also become a master of none then. And uh, I was trying to play all the formats. I was trying to brew new decks. I was trying to, you know, shuffle my decks around and be good at all of them. But it's that's just not not doable. And consistently, I I have found out that I only get good at the game when I commit to a certain way of playing, as I have mentioned before. So yeah, it was just like too much for a time and for for a while just i just thought that i had need a break from streaming so around september this year i just kind of reduced the amount of hours that i spend on on streaming uh, i have decided that i will only stream with decks i like and i'll just you know, I came back to playing Amulet Titan, and if you look at my Goldfish page now, it's all Amulet Titan prelim free ones for like the past few months, which, you know, basically the same stream every day if you want to look at it this way. But okay. also, I think there is an enjoyable. So you're uh, finding I, I, your enjoyment, your happiness with Magic again. Yes, yes. So I'm finding my enjoyment again. I am playing in the ways I enjoy. I stopped trying to like do things that I don't actually enjoy too much like you know trying to brew new decks which is mostly which is fun when it works but it doesn't work 95 percent of the times and then it's <laughs> extremely painful for me so it's so it's the ev mm -hmm. is just not there but why why did you want to do that was it because you felt like you needed to provide more variety you wanted to challenge yourself or there are other reasons yeah i wanted to yeah, I, I mean, you know, also I've seen what's uh, successful on, on Twitch.tv, you know, I've seen the success of uh, other players and, for example, like, headlined by Aspiring Spike, who, like, comes up with a new deck Brewer, every yeah. stream suddenly, you know, certainly, and I was like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, I could try to emulate uh, a, little, a little bit of that for myself, but it's just something that became clear doesn't work for me and something that I'm not interested in, so... I mm -hmm. just it just took a while to I guess mature and realize that I will do what I like mm. want to do because I am in a position where I get to 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 make so that choice. So it sounds too. like better understanding yourself and who you are as a magic player. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So now it's a little bit better. Like it sounds like you will you're still going to qualify try to qualify for PTs, right? So you'll yes. continue playing. And, well. In fact, I am qualified for Chicago, the next one. So, oh, okay. I, okay. Yes, I, I'm. I, you know, I actually, you know, right before the, right before the regional championship in Lille, which uh, happened in sept in September, which was the one qualifying for Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, I took a little bit of a break from Twitch. I like didn't stream as much or even like at all for most of the month i took a little bit of a vacation i went for, to hike in the polish mountains for a week with a nicely non-magic friend so like we couldn't even talk about magic because he doesn't know anything about that so we just mm -hmm. hung around and walked hiked and it was pretty pretty nice and cleared off uh, my mind Mm -hmm. I was able to come back stronger, focus on playing Phoenix for two weeks off stream, uh, practice well, qualify for 
for Chicago and felt like you know good old times where I was able to commit to 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 working on something and then succeeded thanks to that. Right, right. It's moving my cat here. It's... Sounds like you're a pretty good place with relationship with Magic at the moment. Then I think I'm yes, I think I'm in a better place than I was at the beginning of this year, which uh, I am I'm happy about. Okay. So now, if it's okay, I'd like to do a rapid fire five questions that's uh, magic related. Sure. Number one, what's the best magic play you ever made? The best magic play I ever made. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> like because it's really it's really hard to like it's much easier to find bad plays than it is to like identify great ones. And like what one would describe as a great play is sometimes just you you know kind of like tricking someone into into stuff like you know one of the widely recognized best plays in the history of Magic the Gathering the LSV <laughs> vampire token yeah movement but uh -huh. like in in I think in actuality like that play is like also like it's it's kind of silly more so than like a great play it's mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. hard to say okay so maybe what's the best what's do you have any idea like what's the most memorable magic play you ever made maybe not strictly the best just something that you remember my quite well my most memorable magic play is also my my worst play so go <laughs> ahead yeah my worst play is actually well well documented and recorded um available on youtube it was uh, Pro Tour, I believe it was Cleveland, uh, Guilds of Ravnica or Ravnica Allegiance, Ravnica Allegiance. And uh, I was playing Limited. I was playing against uh, Michael Bonde. We played in the feature match area, so we had the knowledge of each other's decklist because back then in the feature match area, the decklists were open, outside of that, they were not open. That was because you could be on, you could you could be streamed, so like they wanted to avoid that. So I knew his deck. My deck was uh, a deck where I had two gate colossus, some you know strong multicolored cards, and overall it seemed to line up pretty nicely against uh, Bondes Orzov deck, which contained almost no removal. I think he just had no removal that could kill gate colossus. So you know. Uh, we're playing a game, I get a Gate Colossus into play, I feel pretty good about myself because he doesn't really have any cards that line up too well against that. And then he plays some creatures and passes with one mana up. Uh, I draw a card and I look at my hand, it contains two copies of Applied Biomancy. It's a Simic Instant one of your creatures gets plus one plus one and you bounce a creature to its owner's hand so you know bonde on 10 life i have the colossus the colossus cannot be blocked by creatures with power, power two or less bonde's board is a free free a two two and a one two so i'm like yeah i guess i guess i win he cannot interact with my colossus for one mana so excitedly i play my two biomancies i pump my colossus to 10 and I point at two creatures on Bond's side. He bounces them back to his hand, and I attack with the Colossus. Then he blocks. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? 
And turns out that I pointed at, at two of the smaller creatures and I left his free free in place. So he was actually able to block the Colossus, which I pumped, which then turned out to, to be the bane of me. I actually ended up losing this game in like some convoluted fashion that it went on for for a while, but it was really like a misclick IRL. Just so like, I think maybe it was like because I was so used to streaming at the time too. Sometimes when you stream, you just more click, but you just click buttons more so than, than you play. And I think I, I really just clicked buttons back then. Like my only reaction to, to that play was just to like start laughing at the absurdity of of the situation but of course like it was it was michael and not me who walked away with a much slip sign in his favor from this match so it was also pretty hard to like get over but that that's certainly my my most memorable play how long did it take you to get over it i i don't know to this day sometimes i think about it and <laughs> i just like it you know then then I like I thought about it more. It also turned out that even if I like pointed at the correct creatures, I also could have still lost because there was like an even more technical way to to use those biomancies that I was supposed to to play around his plus two plus two combat trick that he had one copy of in his sideboard, but it was game two, so he could have bought it then. And it turned out that he did, which also was crucial on a later turn. So, you know, like in reality, I was actually supposed to attack with the Colossus, use one of the Biomancies, bounce the free free creature, wait for him to declare no blocks and then pump the Colossus once again. But like that's also even further away from what I did, which was just throw two of them on the table and, you know, thinking that I win. And turns out I was, you know, there was there was a way for him to escape that. What can I say? Magic's a hard game. So yeah. you know you're you're going from optimal <laughs> see, play see, to perfect see, play. That's hard. Yes, but also like this spot wasn't. It wasn't hard. Like if it was hard, then yeah, sure. I I I mean, I guess I just mentioned like how it was more complicated than I even thought at the beginning. But it wasn't particularly hard. Yet I still kind of wasn't able to properly go go through it. That's mm-hmm. like something that I kind of struggle in when playing. I guess that question is not so rapid after all, but that is something that I struggle with when when I play. Like I sometimes make those snap quick decisions that are just so bad, like so simple yet so bad, but like I do them impulsively in the moment and I kind of struggle to hold myself back sometimes and uh, actually think through my place. But that's who you are as a player, right? Like, we can't be perfect. And I think maybe sometimes those attributes also help you become a winning player. For sure. It's like... Like having snap that... judgments or intuition sometimes helps, right? Yeah. Not yeah. in this particular yeah. instance. I'm just saying that it could be applied yes, elsewhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, another... I guess, yes. A flip side of of that coin would be that pretty often when I stream as... You know, I make a play and then someone asks me, hey, why did you make this play? And I say, well, I don't know, like, and, you know, they they propose a different play for me to take. And I say, yeah, I don't know, like, I guess your play was better. But then I 
think hard about it for like the next 30 seconds and i'm like no 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 actually because of this this and this and this happening earlier and like on an area so there's some turn. intuition that maybe yes, you can't yes. even explain yeah until later yeah so, so sometimes i have like that intuition that i you know just have from from being in a given situation in game for a uh, hundred for hundreds of times I just kind of know what I want to do, but like sometimes I have trouble explaining that. And when pressed, I just like can't for for a moment. I have to kind of re recreate the paths that led to mm-hmm. arriving at that decision. But you've learned to trust your intuition as well, I suppose. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah, I'm well, going far away from all, the rapid fire questions it's, too. It's not always the most trustworthy. That's like the point. That's the point with the applied biomancy story that it's not always the most trustworthy. And sometimes, like, just taking us little of a step back as thinking, okay, what are my actions this turn instead of just playing my cards would go a long way. Mm-hmm. So I think the issue, I guess we could identify the issue as sometimes trusting my intuition a little bit too much Mm. that's how i would frame it okay next question what's your biggest level up moment as a player this is a particular moment or a particular event that that was the moment that we talked about with Maciej when we sat down and we just played some games of limited and he was like yeah i mean you draft well but but your gameplay is terrible and gameplay like, could wow. be better okay that's that's oh. eye-opening that like okay. that felt like right know, and yeah. a little bit of an enlightenment and uh do you have a favorite magic travel story a magic travel story like as yeah. does it have to be like connected to traveling itself no it, <laughs> it, it can just be something that happened while you were not at home basically that's magic related <laughs> All right, so like I have a a pretty silly thing that happened to me, which is unbelievable, uh, at a magic tournament. Which it's a story that I told you know a bunch of times on my stream already, but I guess I'll retell it here because maybe if anyone else can hear that, then good for them. So as I said, <clears throat> I was playing amulet back in my in my past so much i had an amulet deck uh one day at an fnm uh i asked my good friend yendrek also known as tsp yendrek online to black border my summer blooms because back then i did not enjoy the beautifulness of of white border i regret that now but you know that's just how i felt back at the time so you know he took a sharpie and he black you know uh filled the border with his black sharpie so it looked like a normal card but at the same time i went to the bathroom and when i came back it turned out that he also took uh, his liberty to prank me a little bit and written some stuff on the perfect sleeves of uh, my cards so for example he has uh drawn the illuminati sign on my amulet of vigor because you know there is like an eye on the amulet set face <laughs> sure. or like some some other like funny funny comments on and some other cards it's on the sleeve it's not on the card right yeah 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 and then also i need to 
show you a little bit of a uh, item. I have a binder with funny cards or cards that I just like enjoy for one reason or another. And one of the cards in there is this. It's actually flipped because of the camera, but it's Ambush Ambush, Instant Insect. It's a combination of Ambush Crotic and Ethereal Ambush from okay. the set of Fate Reforged, which was the draft set at the time. So, you know, I, I was drafting that set a decent amount and I enjoyed how, like, I found it really funny how there was a card called Ambush Something and then there was a different card called Something Ambush. So mm -hmm. just turn them and combine them into ambush ambush together, which was <laughs> like really funny. It became sort of an in joke, you know, like to call th to just repeat the same word twice in, in a card name sometimes between us. Right. So one of the other pranks that Yendrek did was uh, write Titan on my primeval Titan. So it turned into a primeval Titan Titan. Okay. Right? And I you know, I came back, I look at this and I say, oh yeah, thank you for, for like doing that to my summer blooms, but haha, your prank is very funny. And without thinking much of it, I just went on and I flipped my perfect sleeves the other way around to not have that on my, on the front of my card. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just like, yeah, it was like, I just wanted to get rid of, of the prank on, on the top of it. So fast forward. A few months later, Grand Prix Copenhagen, I actually didn't play Amulet at that event. I played Grishel Brand, uh, but one of my friends scrapped out of uh, day one and he wanted to borrow my Amulet deck for a side event on day two. So I say, sure, yeah, I hand, hand him over the deck. Then in the middle of every round on day two, <laughs> I play against someone, someone summoning Loxon Smiters. Like I remember, Loxon Smiter used to be used to be you know a great card in modern, not not so much anymore anymore. But a judge comes to me and says hello, can you please stop your match? You know I I stand, he shows me my deck, and asks me, hey, does this deck belong to you? I say yes, that's my that's my Amulet Titan deck. Okay, well. Do you know of any ways in which the cards in your deck would be marked? And by by then, I had like no recollection of of that even. It was just like something yeah. that happened at the you know between rounds. It was not something that I paid much mind to. And I said, no, nothing comes to mind like that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and the judge says, okay, thank you for your time. Walks away with the deck, and you know I continue on with my match. I was like, yeah, that's weird. I don't know what's that about. Maybe like the sleeves were old or something and like mm. would require some changing. Uh, I finished my match and my friend who I lend the deck to finds me and he's kind of furious. <laughs> he was <laughs> like, interrogated. <laughs> what the hell? Like, why? Why? How? Uh, like, are, are you a cheater? Why is your, like, why is your deck marked? Why is your Titan mm -hmm. marked as Titan on the back of it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then like it clicked and I'm like, oh oh crap, right? So that's that's the thing. <laughs> that's that's why it was that's that's what yeah. happened. That's why the jug was called over. 
you inadvertently so, uh, help mark the deck for your friend, even yes, not even for yourself. Yes. So it's also like in the worst possible way, the way it like all confluence into making so that the Titan had Titan written on top of its sleeve, right? Which is like the <laughs> yeah. card you want to top deck the most in that deck. Right? Yes, now you're just yes. marking it literally like this is the Titan yes, card. But it's also like the card you want to top deck the most when you're playing this deck. So it's like right. the most markable card that you would ever you made it you made it maximally yes. suspicious, basically. It was it was so so suspicious it was like because so... imagine if you had to explain that, like you, you have to explain, oh yeah, it was a joke that I had, and uh, we 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 did ambush ambush and Titan Titan. That's why. And that is exactly what we did. Of course, we didn't want. But you to... had to explain it. I didn't want to leave my you know just friend ruined and probably banned for for life from Magic because it just looks so bad. We found the judge, <laughs> me, Yendrek, and you know others. <laughs> And we just, you know, explained the entire situation and we said, you know, like there should be like an Illumina Illuminati sign on, on the amulet, I think. So like, you know, we pulled the sleeve on the amulet and yeah, there is the Illuminati sign. So he's like, okay, okay. I I did There's have the binder with me. Yeah. I did have the ambush ambush card to show us proof of my friend's innocence in this situation, which I think did help. Okay, because even but you understand, he... like, I 100% believe you and your story, but I could imagine a world where the judge is just like, yeah, these guys are just, like, creating a story so that they can get off. You know that, right? <laughs> yes, yes, I know that. But I think the ambush ambush, the ambush, ambush cards present in my in my binder was... Yeah, it's too creative enough. not to be true. It's Yes, yeah. it was too, too crazy yeah. for the judge not to believe in, so... Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know like who the judge was, okay, and what he is doing now, and uh, what are his thoughts on this situation. But none of you are banned, so that's 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 good. Yeah, but but my friend ended up getting disqualified from the tournament because well, the judge said that like there is no way that he cannot do that because it's just way too incriminating and way too. That's the judge's bad. duty, I think. Yeah, but he did not get banned by okay. the DCI, so, so like thankfully. it seemed like the. Okay. So you didn't get you didn't get your friend banned was... for life from magic. That's good. <laughs> yes, yes. So you know, as we sat with the judge and we explained the entire situation, we we had to retell the entire story, show ambush ambush as the proof of innocence. <laughs> you know, the judge just asked, okay, this is like a trial, they, you have to they, produce yes. the evidence. Yeah. I th I think we had to put out a written statement. <laughs> Like okay. a piece of paper that's how those investigations go and okay. at the end of that the judge asks me hey are there is there anything else that you think is marked in your deck and i said yes there might be a penis on my forest because that was like another <laughs> thing that yeah oh, i mean you though. should tell everything yeah 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 yes. and and it's funny because you have to say it started when my friend was black bordering my my card and that's how it all started you have to yeah, yeah. start from the beginning so that was like the the most incredible like judge call i was involved in or, right. and like a situation i was involved <laughs> in and it's really it's just incredible how it all lined up in such a perfect way of, of course you know i'm i'm very sad for uh, my friend having to get disqualified from a tournament for all of that, but was it worth it? Well, from, it's a story. from like the greater, greater story perspective, maybe it was. It was for the greater good, and uh, <laughs> that is what. What's the saying? Truth is stranger than fiction. This is definitely yes, the truth. Certainly yes, certainly in this in this spot it was. Yeah. 
Speaking of Yendrik, um, was there some sort of discussion, conversation you had about Ojutai? Like, uh, <laughs> is it is it Ojutai, whether Ojutai is a boy or a girl? Do you remember this? Yeah, I remember this. That was also during an FNM one time. Once again, like some like end jokes piling, piling on, and we are talking about some something related to the cards. And at some point, one of my friends asked me, "Hey, Canister, you you know a little bit about the lore? Because you know sometimes I go to the to the wikis and I just look up the magic lore because it's like vaguely a little bit interesting, not interesting enough for me to like read the entire stories, but I kind of just like to know what the cards represent and what are the situations represented on those cards. So he says, hey, Canister, you know, like, about the lore, so you probably know if Ojita is a boy or a girl, for some reason, it was a relevant uh, discussion. And I say, yeah, well, you see, it's not necessarily a useful question, because dragons of Tarkir do not reproduce sexually. They actually come from a dragon storm named the Dragon Tempest, and they just spawn into existence there. And he, like, you know, I went a little bit longer with a longer winded explanation of like how that works exactly and so like he looks at me in disbelief and says wow kind of said like why do you know this and i just with a straight face replied homic that's his name that's my job so that was magic also is like, my job <laughs> yeah i have to know okay the dragons yeah. of uh tarkir are genderless have no gender okay Okay, so, well, you know. I guess I'll never um, make the mistake of uh, saying that you're not a uh, hardcore Vorthos <laughs> or into the lore again. In a, in a way, I guess, a little You've bit. You've already known, you already know, just by this story, you know more than 99% of Magic players. So Probably. Uh, mission accomplished. I guess. Okay. If you had, if you were not a Magic player today, like a full-time Magic player streamer, what do you think your job would be like if you if you in some sort of alternate timeline where you pick blue tron and you failed and you never <laughs> you never get to the same heights because you picked tron uh what would you be doing today i thought about it many times and i couldn't really come up with an answer when i started playing magic i was doing studies college uh, i guess and I was having a lot of trouble sticking to that and getting the same stubbornness uh, in in that field as, as I can easily evoke, as I could have easily evoked for magic. So it certainly, back then, it did hack away at my, I guess, uh, future prospects. Because I think I, I certainly it was easier for me to sit down and uh, play a model daily once again instead of uh, committing and preparing for an exam, for example. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how my life would uh, go and look if uh, magic wouldn't have existed. Maybe I would uh, be able to overcome my lack of commitment, or maybe not. So. So it's no plan B, it was just all magic at that point. Yeah, which I didn't even view as plan A back at the time because it wasn't like a feasible plan A. So it's been really nice for me that the universe randomized itself in such a way where the MPL 
started existing at the exact moment where I have became eligible for it and then it just like turned out that instead of uh, struggling for finding a way to shape my life I get to do what I enjoy doing while being financially stable. Mm-hmm. You're known for being very punctual or on time. Like, where do you think you get that from? Say it again. You're known for being very punctual. Like, I've heard your friends say that you're always early to uh, <laughs> magic tournaments or appointment. Like, where do you think this? Why? Yeah. That's massive. Okay. <laughs> Or maybe they're just so that, always late. I don't know. Maybe it's all relative. So <laughs> I assume you heard that from the Endrek? Because uh, no, that's... actually. No, so it must be true. Because it wasn't Yendrik that told me. It was your other friend. <laughs> that is interesting because like I think if you asked uh Yendrik, then he would probably say that but sarcastically. <laughs> Oh no! But, it was yeah. it was Matthias. It was Matthias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Ma- so maybe in like magic context, yeah, I guess I am. If I if I because with Matthias, uh, you know, I don't get uh, a chance to live uh, the daily life. So we meet like for magic trips and tournaments, and then I am punctual, I guess, and I'm trying to be there on time. But in my casual life, I I am not exactly always known for casual life i'm not exactly uh known for arriving everywhere on time although i think i've gotten better uh, at that okay over time it's kind of a weird question i guess to to ask because i think all magic players are pretty on time because we don't want to miss the uh, beginning of a round or a registration or something yeah 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 uh, I understand that you have a quite a passion for music or going to live shows. What's the best concert or live show you have been to in the last 12 months? I'm not sure if it was in the last 12 months, but one of the most enjoyable concerts I went to was a concert of a band named Vola, uh, which is like a prog metal let's say band and uh, it happened somewhere in Poland I don't remember the city because like it was just like a trip to to the are they a Polish band or they were just touring no 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 they are from Finland so they were touring in Poland and it was just like a really enjoyable show I really like their music and just the audio quality and that club was just incredible so yeah. i enjoyed that plenty it was Excellent. like one of the better better sounded uh, concerts i i went to and it was just a really nice uh, experience and also also like one of my favorite bands lately so i enjoyed that plenty my last question for you what is your signature go-to dish when you cook What's what's the uh, what's what's your uh, cooking version of um, amulet, basically? <laughs> it's probably chili chili con carne. I also like enjoy just making stews in general because you get to like it's like it's easy from the practical sense, but also very tasty. 
and you get to you know make a big pot and then freeze uh, parts of it for later use while enjoying uh, what you've prepared now so mm-hmm. this type excellent of, <laughs> of a dish okay i lied there is one last question i wanted to ask you mm-hmm. um the last question is how did you come up with the name canister what's the meaning behind it so there is not much meaning this is a pretty frequent question i get asked so like a canister is a you know it's spelled with a k so like it's a polish word it's just a word for for a canister the same as in english right a, a container for in which you most frequently store gas and uh the simple reason is that it uh, rhymed with my when like with it rhymed with something when I was in primary school and like one of my friends was like yeah Mr. Canister and then it rhymed and just stuck. Okay. So Mr. Canister so just a childhood funny name and that it, you started using. Yeah. And then it then then it uh, shortened to Canister and I just use it as my online handle for for everything including Magic Online and then it stuck. All right. Well, hey, it was great having a chance to, uh, to to talk to you today for Humans of Magic. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Humans of Magic. You've made it to the end. Thanks so much. You're awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there are two ways to do so. The first way is the most powerful. Tell a friend. Tell them to check out Humans of Magic. I'd love it if you could spread the word. The second way is to join the Humans of Magic Patreon at patreon.com slash humansofmagic. Patreon is the best way to directly support the show from a financial perspective. For as little as $2 a month, you can support me and join the Discord. It gives me the power to keep cranking out new episodes with your favorite magic people. If you want to go the $5 support route, you'll get a digital copy of the Humans of Magic book. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you, as always, making it all the way to the end, and we'll see you next time.